Hello, I'm Alice Arnold. Welcome to the Magic Musicals and Theatre Podcast and my guest this week, Sir Matthew Bourne. Now, Matthew Bourne, who is sitting opposite me in the studio, let's go back to the to the very beginning of your career. Now, you were obviously theatre mad from the start, from boyhood. Yes, I was, from very, very early age. I was, I was lucky to be... Um born in London, I'm a Londoner, uh, to parents who loved going to the theatre and going to movies. They weren't involved in that world, but they, they were big fans, you know, so they, and, so they would take me to see a lot. Um, and I think that's what gave me the bug, really. Um, but I was always wanting to put on a show, you know, from a very early age, four or five mm-hmm. onwards, that early, um, getting the kids from down the street together to put on a show. If I'd go to see a movie, for example, I'd, I'd want to then get home and recreate it and star in it. And star in it. Now, this I found really hard to believe, but you never did a dance class, mm. and yet you were directing amateur dance companies. Yes, I didn't do a dance class till I was 22. That was my audition for dance college. Yeah. I, I was sort of self-taught. It sounds odd now, but a lot of famous dancers in the in earlier eras, you know, in movies and the Fred Astaire's and the Eleanor Powell's and the Ann Millers and all these sort of people, they were kind of self-taught mostly. They didn't. There wasn't anywhere to go to learn to dance in that way. They they learnt from their from colleagues and people that they worked with along the way in vaudeville and stuff. I'm not saying that wasn't my background, but it's not as unusual as it sounds now to be a sort of self-taught dancer from watching. And, From and watching and copying, yeah. Yeah, and that's that's how I learned, really. And then you went to the Laban Centre, and yes. Laban's very specific method, isn't it? Do you want to tell well, us a bit was, about that? Well, it was once upon a time, I think. By the time I went there, it was we did do uh, something called Laban notation, which is a form of, of dance notation, like, mm-hmm. like music. Um, and you, we did something called movement study, which was a very Laban thing, where you, where you, you uh, analyse mo- movement rather than dance. Um and so those things were still there, but it was a basically a, da- a contemporary dance college, modern dance. Right. And had most people there done a classical training before or, or not? Uh, well, most people there had, had done something, yeah. I was a rarity, although they were very desperate for men in those days. Right. Uh, there were a lot of young women who'd done a bit of, you know, done dancing since they were very young. Um, I think if you had a vague interest and you could put one foot in front of the other and you were male, they would grab you <laughs> in those days. <laughs> Not so true now, but um, I think I had a big passion for it. Uh, and that was my the reason I got in, I think, mm-hmm. for the subject of dance. And I was reading about it a lot. I was watching it a lot. and um, I think they thought they might have a writer there or something, maybe even a critic. Um, but I, I did end up having, you know, dancing, which was... Brilliant. You've been dancing for 14 years after, yes, after yeah. that. We were talking about Gene Kelly earlier and about how he brought ballet to the, to the masses. Was that something that you had always wanted to do yourself? Not really, no. I wouldn't say that that was an ambition to begin with. I didn't think I had the capability. I didn't think I, I had the platform to do that. You know, I, I really just wanted to... Um, perform initially and always wanted to choreograph I was always into directing and putting on a show I would say but actually um trying to reach wide audiences came a bit later I I, I think it, the root of it is I wanted to please audiences rather than them be big 
<laughs> I, I always had a, an instinct for wanting to uh, connect with an audience, whether it be 20 people or 200 or 2,000, you know. I think that's been uh, something that's always been with me. I want to entertain. I want people to get what I'm doing. Um, and I think that's been the key to the success that I've had with with. Uh, wider audiences I think it's that, that I want to tell a story and I want people to understand it well of course the the production I suppose that that one of the ones that you're most famous for that was that was quite challenging was your all-male version of, of Swan Lake yes and what well, what inspired that well I suppose you know I've been watching uh, ballet for a long time uh, before that um, not a long time but uh, um, I came to it quite late really I first saw my first ballet when I was 18 19 but um you know I sat there imagining it in a different way I think um at one point just daydreaming uh, uh what if the swans were male why can't, why can't you have a male swan you know there are male swans <laughs> otherwise there wouldn't be any swans <laughs> so i thought in dance they're all female um and that was a vague thought from years years back but when i came to have the opportunity to do it um it was more to do with um i felt i had to do something so different to justify doing it because there were so many classical versions of it around there were a lot and I thought if I had the chance to do it I have to do something that makes it mine and makes it uh, different and therefore the male swans idea came to the fore again and I thought oh this is interesting what does that do to the psychology of the prince uh, if there are male swans um, is it the voices in his head it brought in all sorts of uh, psychological things the good swan and the bad swan the white and the black all those things very interesting it, it threw up lots of new story ideas so that's that's um, how it came about really the desire to be different and of course that throws up with with male swans uh, you talked about the difficulty of choreo- choreographing you were going to do a, a, a Romeo and Juliet yes but sort of found that maybe too challenging to do a gay Romeo and Juliet ah. or, or two men. It's interesting, that one. I, I did a workshop which I called Romeo, Romeo. It really was only a workshop uh, to, to explore male dancing and male duets because I felt it was something that needed exploring a little bit more, whether how far you could go with a, with a wide audience, you know, and, and something that was romantic or, and sexual in some way. Um, and we're so, in the dance world, we're so kind of, uh, we're so used to seeing that male-female partnership. Um, and there's something about it works in terms of the dance, about lifting and all those things. But, um, and we're a bit conditioned, you know. So it was trying to break away those conditions and those the ideas of this it always has to be the same thing all the time. So I did this whole workshop in it um, and discovered quite a lot, actually, and, and uh, discovered that you could go anywhere, really in dance it's uh um in terms of uh partnering um and relationships and i did the piece that came out of it actually was dorian gray which i did a version of uh um set in contemporary times about 10 years ago actually and that's where a lot of my exploration of male partnering sort of uh, came to the fore because the issue arose uh, in this year strictly Yes. Quite strongly with Susan Kalman. Yes. Who is a lesbian and every well, not everyone, some people were saying, why isn't she dancing with a woman? And she said, 
I don't want to, I have a choice, I don't want to, I want to dance <laughs> with a man, which is absolutely yeah. her choice to do yeah. exactly what she wanted to do. I mean, I don't know she if She wanted you can, Kevin. She, <laughs> <yeah>. um, <laughs> I don't know, can you see a time where, do you think it would be right on Strictly? Or, or I've thought about it quite a lot, and I'm not sure it's something, I'm really not sure it's something I want, would want to see. Strangely, I, I th- it's it's so embedded in a sort of a, a different kind of tradition, um, and the fact it's interesting. There there are certain styles that we would work for. I think pure ballroom maybe not uh, because that's very much the style. If you could be contemporary in your choice of movement, if you could create movement, then why not? Um, Something like a male, a male or man or man tango is quite a common thing in in, uh, in the tango tradition. So you could that sort of thing could work. Um, it would be a nice experiment. I think a one-off with mm. female partners and male part, you know, partnerships could be a really interesting experiment just to to prove to something to people or to show people that what it would be like because there's a lot of talk about it. Um, and it would be nice to see. I'm I'm sort of I'm on the sh- I'm sort of. I'm not sure what I absolutely feel about it. And it's odd because in those traditional dances, which they do in Strictly, there's always a lead, and which would be considered the man and the and the yes. female partner. Yeah. And so whoever played that lead would be assuming a male role, which they might not absolutely want to be doing. I mean, yeah. It's... You you'd be wanting some sort of equality in the partnership. Um, which could work, but it would need to go out of this pure style that they're trying to achieve. You know, it's very much mm. about a particular style. I wanted to talk now about, rather than dance, theatre, mm. which you make a sort of seamless link, really, between yes. theatre and dance. Well, dance is theatre, as far as I'm concerned. You know, I mean, if anything on a stage is, and I think to try and divide those things up is, is a mistake in a way. I think, um, and uh, sometimes choreographers do forget that, particularly in the contemporary dance world, you know, that it is a piece of theatre, it's a piece of entertainment on a stage uh, that you want people to connect to and feel something about, you know. So, um, but for me, it's always come very much through a narrative. So telling a story is at the heart of, of all theatre. Um, so it, does, it makes absolute sense to me to bring those things together. And you have choreographed, of course, for, for West End shows like yes. Oliver and My Fair Lady in South Pacific. Is it yeah. different choreographing f- when you've got lyrics? Um, it is. It's a different process in a way and a, diff- a different kind of performers sometimes. You get a range of uh, ability within a musical. Um, you know, you get your singers who are very good singers but don't move so well. You get those singers who do move a bit or... And then you get very good people who can do everything, and then you get the better people who are better dancers. So there's a whole sort of range of people, and the best musical theatre choreographers use everyone, and you give people movement on the that suits them on the level of which they can do something great. So you make everyone look good. That's the idea. Yeah, Whereas in a dance company, they're all like can do everything. <laughs> yes, that was going to be my next question about how intimidated people must feel when they go, "Well, we've got Matthew Ball choreographing," and they're going, "Oh no, help!" Uh, <laughs> but it's well, that you obviously you're kind and considerate to well, you must those be. who yes. can't dance so well. Yes, you do get a lot of that, and the leading performers, you you have to use what they can. They give you as well. Everyone wants to feel that they've contributed something and it's come from them and not something that's just been put on to them. So, the, again, the best leading performers will always have something to offer as well. Um, I've worked with people like Rowan Atkinson and um, Jonathan Price and those sort of people. They're very good. Move Dawn French. 
actually all very good dancers. They can dance. They can move in their particular way. Dawn's a very good dancer. She can count and everything. She's she's actually easy to work with. And Jennifer? Um, I haven't, Not haven't so had the pleasure of Jennifer. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think it's more Dawn's thing. Um, but someone like Rowan Atkinson, you've got to use what he, the amazing stuff he can do. You know, you don't want to give him st- something else. You want to mm. say, what, what can you do with this and, and use it? Now, you've won seven Olivier Awards. Yes. Yes, you're the only British director to have won the Tony Award for Best Choreographer and Best Director of Musical. Award season, of course, is coming upon us. Yes. Is it important to you to win awards? <laughs> Not re- It isn't really. I tell you what is nice is I, I was like, I always enjoy the nomination more than the award in a way because it's nice to be amongst a group of people and also um, the fact you've been remembered that year somehow. Someone's remembered what you've done and wanted to put you forward. So that's always a quite a nice feeling. You know, you haven't been sort of forgotten about. Um, but the actual winning, sometimes you're more relieved if you don't because you don't have to get up you and make a speech. A speech. <laughs> <laughs> Which is terrifying sometimes, <laughs> you know, with, when you've got the people staring back at you. Um, <laughs> And it, it, I freeze, I've frozen once or twice in that situation. But it's always lovely in, in some way or other. You know, I'm not, I'm not mm. going to say it's not a nice thing to happen. Of course, last year, the Red Shoes won mm. two Olivier Awards. That was wonderful because that was in a year when Harry Potter basically won everything. <laughs> yes. It's quite nice to see a different person <laughs> up on the podium. Um, now, this was with your company, New Adventures. Yes. Yeah, my company that's... Uh, I've been running for... Th- uh, 30 years this year, or last year, I think it was the anniversary. And uh, so I started out with a company called Adventures in Motion Pictures when I left college, and it became New Adventures about halfway through that time, about 15 years ago. Um, and that's my dance company that I do all my work with now. Um, and The Red Shoes was a, was a obviously it's a very famous movie about ballet, a uh, ballet company and a, a woman who's torn between her career and her love life and um, and very melodramatic, but it's an amazing movie if people haven't seen it. Um, and I, I just thought it, I could create a version of this uh, piece uh, for the stage and it was very successful and um, it was almost like a love letter to the theatre for me. It was about theatre and about what we do and the sacrifices you make and the, the passion for that world, you know, that's what it's all about. I wanted to ask you about Reborn, mm. which is the charitable arm of your of your company, That's New right. Adventures, investing in the future of dance, which is which is going to be your legacy. So, give give me an example of the sort of work that that you do. Well, we do an enormous amount of one off kind of workshops with young people that are around, sometimes around the show that we're doing. The subject matter Cinderella at the moment is set during the Blitz in the Second World War. Mm-hmm. So, there's a whole project going on with the um, National War, uh, Imperial War Museums mm-hmm. around the country, three of them. Um, so that kind of thing. We try and tie things in with the shows. But also we do projects uh, that uh, involve other areas of, of, of uh, applying dance to, and dance therapy in a way. We've, we, we work with people with dementia. Mm. It's a new, something I'm very proud of and something that we've done just last year and we're going to do a lot more of. And... We've also done larger-scale productions that we involve younger people in. Um, Lord of the Flies was a big project that we did all around the country that involved young young boys and men from uh, that that community where we, where we were performing, along with professional dancers. 
Uh, we've got another one of those projects coming up. Um, we do things called curtain raises where we work with a group of young people and they create a piece of choreography that's shown before our show in, a, in the, out the local theatre that we go to. Um, that can be a life-changing thing for those young people sometimes. It's just, I remember when I first got on stage as a kid and it, I can even now re remember the smell of the costume and the makeup and the feel of what it felt like, you know, to have that experience. Um, it, 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 it can be life-changing. You suddenly find your what your future's going to be. And all these projects sound so different from the sort of dance world that mm. most of us grew up in, which was you went off to, you know, a rather strict and fierce woman <laughs> and <laughs> did your grade one ballet and when you get the certificate back, as I did. And I said, I haven't got a green stamp. And she said, that's because you're the only person who didn't get a merit. Oh. It, yes. That's sad. It was sad. It, <laughs> and it sort of scarred me for life, really, that. I think I did eight Padishahs instead of four or something. Oh, I'm amazed you could even recognise them as a Padishah. I'm amazed <laughs> I can even say Padishah. But anyway, <laughs> because it was, I was dreadful at it. But if, if there'd been an opportunity to do something a little freer, a little more expressive... Oh, it's more about uh, creativity you know, now, yeah. I think, yes. Yeah, the uh, that's, that's certainly world dance seems to have changed. Yeah, yeah, certainly behind that, you know, using young people's creativity. They don't have to be great dancers. Um, but it could be the beginnings of them for them to go into training if they wanted to, mm -hmm. you know. Most recently, your production of Cinderella was shown on television over Christmas, yes. which was a wonderful thing. So we all got a chance, even if we hadn't got, <laughs> got to the theatre. And it's, it's set during the Blitz in, the, in yes. the Second World War. So no fancy tutus there. Certainly no tutus in any of my shows, actually. Um, the reason I, I well, there's, it's, there's a good story behind Cinderella. It was written by uh, the, the score is by Prokofiev. Um, um, it was written as a fairy tale ballet in the manner of Tchaikovsky. Um, but I, re I read that it was written during the Second World War yep. um, and premiered just after. And then I listened to it with that, those ears, with that, I, that in mind, and it's completely like a movie score of the. 1940s. Yes, but there's also, resonances yes. though of, of the blitz and stuff in the music. In the music so much. There's this darkness to it and this sort of light coming through at the end, you know. The, um, and I, I've, I felt I could almost hear the bombs dropping. Um, and my parents were actually brought up in London during the blitz. And my grandparents, they lived within streets of each other. And they never met then, but they were lived very close. Um, and they used to tell me a lot of stories about it, my grandparents as well, about their that time so it, it's part of my family history as well to tell a story uh, of that of that period and some of the characters are named after my grandparents as well oh are they yes <laughs> Matthew Ball let's look ahead now to what 2018 has in store I know you're doing as you mentioned the work mm. in collaboration with the Imperial War Museums and and um, and Cinderella workshops which were amazing settings the Imperial War Museum yes yeah to do that yeah I mean, the, the, with the aeroplanes hanging in the ceiling and all of that yeah that'll be amazing Brings it to life and I know that that <clears throat> new adventures you talked about Lord of the Flies working with male dancers do you, do you think that it's changing now that the the sort of are more boys going into into dance? I think it's being seen as a much uh, more uh, it's a cool thing to do now in many in many mm -hmm. ways. I think I don't think entirely. I still think there are there are boys who are victimised a little bit if they're the only boy in the dance class or something. This is something Lord of the Flies did very well. It brought some of those boys together um, from different areas of the cities that they lived in, you know, and they got to meet like-minded young men, which was great. 
And I, I think things like My Swan Lake, I think Billy Elliot, um, lots of dance on TV, Strictly, where you mm. see famous sportsmen and pop stars dancing, uh, that kind of thing is, those kind of role models are brilliant. Um, so I think that it's changed enormously in the uh, in the last 10, 20 years. Uh, so I think it's, it, I don't, a lot of boys now would not be ashamed or afraid to say, I, I want to be a dancer. Yeah, which is a... Which a, is great. Huge change, really. Huge in, change. In, in, in culture. You're also doing intergenerational work, so with, with older people and, and children working together with movement. Yes, well, we do. Uh, we send in some of our dancers to... Um, we've been into care homes, and, and there's something about music and movement which, which evokes memory in a really beautiful way, in a, a, way, a unique way. Uh, often uh, people who've um, lost the ability to uh, communicate fully, uh, music and, and the memory of moving together can actually trigger off great memories for them and, and give pleasure in a way that's uh, totally uh, rewarding and unique. Um, it's something we're, we're exploring a lot at the moment. And I think it's so important with the ageing population. You know, that we, We're not just talking about young people all the time, although course young people are very important older mm. older generations are very important as well and particularly with dance i think one just wouldn't yeah. associate working with movement with older people because you think well that's the restriction for them but for, for lots of older people even if their mobility isn't brilliant yeah. their arms might be perfectly you know exactly mobile or whatever exactly um, and Swan Lake is returning to Sadler's Wells yes. in a slightly new production. What are we doing with it? Well, we're freshening it up a bit. With Les Brotherston, who's the designer I usually work with or virtually all the time, uh, he's having a chance to have an, a, another look at it. We're not changing anything that people because people love this production, you know, and, and people get very angry with me if I changed some things oh. about it. So the swans will still look the same. Don't worry, fans out there, <laughs> if there are any. Um, uh, but we, it's a chance to update the production after 22 years. It needs updating, I think. It needs to be fresh. It, 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 there'll be a few surprises. Um, I want to take it into the next era, really. Um, it's such a popular piece. And it's a piece that's had an incredible history because it began uh, 22 years ago with people walking out uh, when the Swan and the Prince danced together. Several men used to get up and walk out of the <laughs> Uh, little girls were in tears because it wasn't in tutus and it wasn't what they were expecting, you know, that their mummy had brought them to. Um, now it's at Sadler's Wells. It's a family Christmas show. You know, people bring the fam- bring the kids. Well, um, it's formed its own tradition. Yeah, yeah, it's incredible now. It's really uh, uh, amazing, again, how things have changed so much about what people will watch and will put their children in front of. You know, it's, it's changed enormously as well. Um, so it's been a revolutionary piece in its time, but maybe not so much now. I don't know. <laughs> Hopefully it's just a good piece of entertainment now. <laughs> well, sadly, Sir Matthew Bourne, we've come to the end of our programme, but I'm not going to let you go just yet because oh, okay. I've got a couple of questions I've got <clears throat> to ask you before okay. I let you go. We, we have talked a bit about Strictly and, mm. so, and, and sort of the popularity now of dance with, with mm. Strictly and, and dancing on ice and, and, and the, the spread of it, really, which I... I have to say, I think you were at the beginning of, you know, with 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 the Swan Lake and everything. The, the suddenly dance became cool, yes. but also incredibly popular and accessible. 
in a way that I feel ballet perhaps wasn't to a lot of people, but just the fact that they're not in tutus it yes. makes it accessible, makes the story easier to follow because people are in costumes you can recognise. And um, So are you encouraged by that? Do you think we, we're going to continue on this line? I'm very encouraged. And I think um, there, there can be a bit of snobbery about programmes like Strictly in the Dance World. And I, I think that's... Um, Darcy's helped a lot, actually. Darcy, Dame Darcy, I should say. <laughs> Darcy Russell has helped a lot because she is from the ballet world and she is now in that world and she's become probably the most famous dancer in the country. And I think what Strictly has done, um, along with a few other things, but it's made everyone into a little bit of a critic in a way or made everyone into... Mm. Uh, given people an understanding of what makes good dance or not so good dance and what's a good dancer and a not so... you know. Hearing people talk about it all the time gives you more insight into it. Um, but the real key to Strictly that, that I think is the thing that makes people fall in love with dancing is the, the joy that is very real in some of the people, some of the contestants, when they discover that they can do it and that they're getting mm. better at it. And it's genuine and the emotion is genuine. It moves you. It's not, fake, it's not a fakey thing. Mm. It's a, there's a real uh, emotion in that program, which which I always respond to, which is why I never miss it. Um, and and that is one of the main things I think that's gone. But there's a lot of other things, dance wise, that have been very encouraging. But I think that's we can't forget that that's the most popular show on television by a mile. By a mile. So uh, it, it's incredible that dance is at the forefront of what we're all enjoying at the moment. It, which is wonderful. And there we are sitting on our sofas going, I don't think her turnout is quite what it should be. <laughs> As if we knew. Um, but, uh, anyway, um, lastly, it is, this is a question about dance, but dancing with dogs. You have a dog. I, I know do. you've tried to dance with him. Yes. How did it go? Well, you jump around a little bit. I, I, my former dog, uh, Mr. Eddie, he was called. He, he used to. I used to put on a, his favorite track was '76 Trombones from the Music Man, and mm. we used to march around the house, and he would literally <laughs> march behind me, and that was fun. Um, my new dog, Ferdinand, who's a Russian toy terrier. Um, haven't quite found his style yet, but it's <laughs> he's a rapper. Is he more <laughs> he street is. dance? Maybe for Ferdinand. Or maybe it's Russian. Something Russian. I don't know. Mm. Maybe that's Russian ballet or something. I don't know. I don't think that's him. Because of course, Crufts does have a class which is freestyle heel work to music, and I just wanted when we could see <laughs> Sir Matthew Bourne with Ferdinand doing freestyle heel work to music, because I think many of us would pay to see it. I tell you, now it's not going to happen. It's not. <laughs> it's not going to happen. No. Oh. My performing days are over. Um, but um, Ferdinand, I would like to get him into a show one day, maybe. Has he not been on stage, Mark? No, maybe no. a film. Maybe I'll put him forwards for something. You do realise they have to be quite well trained, the dogs that do that, because we've thought that about our dog and oh, they really? realise that like, they need to come when you call them, oh, that yeah, kind no. of thing, basic yeah. thing. No. He's not, it's not going to work. No, right. Okay, so his film career is not going to happen either. No films, no dances. Sadly. With and on that note, we've only scratched the surface, but it's been a complete honour to have you in the studio. Thank you so much. Thank you. So Matthew Bourne. That was the Musicals and Theatre podcast. And if you enjoyed that, then why not subscribe? It's absolutely free to our channel on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. 
You can also hear me every weekend morning from 6 till 10 on Mellow Magic. 